All right, welcome in. Late Kick is live. It is Tuesday night, November 17th, the year of our Lord, 2020 jam-packed show. It's Prediction Tuesday. We've also got coaching search intel to talk about a little bit earlier in the season, shall I say, than we normally do. But we're going to go to Columbia, South Carolina, figuratively. I mean, we're going to stay right here. And so we're going to talk about what we've heard, what we're feeling. And to be honest with you, I know it's only been 48 hours, but I already have, don't know what changed, already have a little bit different feel on that coaching search at South Carolina than I did, again, just 48 hours ago. So we're going to do all of that. We're What games are we breaking down, Colin? We've got Auburn, Tennessee, in no particular order. Of course, the big, much-anticipated top 10 showdown, Michigan, Ohio, excuse me, Penn State, Ohio, excuse me, Indiana versus Ohio State. That is your top 10 showdown in the Big Ten this year. So we're going to do that game, breakdowns, predictions, us against the spread, etc. And we're also doing Bedlam, Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. I looked in the sky when I could have just looked at my notes here. Also, as I said, two added best bets tonight. Already put one of them out on Twitter today. Make sure you're following me at LateKickJosh for that. And consultation season continues every day I give out the email and the Twitter, and every day I say, that'll probably be the last time. And then every day, like 10 of you ask for a consultation, so I'll remind you again, because as long as you're coming, I'm going to continue to give it out. What we're doing, and by we I mean myself, what I'm doing is sports media, if you're interested in it, if you're interested in going your own route, go your own way, Fleetwood Mac reference there on your YouTube channel, podcast, you really don't necessarily know where you want to get into the industry, but you think you belong in the industry, Wherever you are, 18, 28, 58, don't care how old you are, don't care where you are, don't care what kind of degree you have or don't have, hit me up, joshpate706 at gmail.com, and also you can DM me on Twitter, at LateKickJosh. We've got a lot to get to tonight. Yeah, I was doing one of those consultations last night. I forgot to say this the other night, so I was, I was going to say it tonight, because I've shared this with some of you, uh, many of you, I've at this point probably spoken to three dozen of you, I would guess, somewhere between 25 and 50 on the consultation on the one-on-one Zoom deal. And so some of you have asked about like, how do we format these shows and what all goes into these shows? And you think there's an army of people. It's me and Colin. That's that's who's making the show happen. And so um, you guys are why we can make it happen. But what you some of you guys have asked is like, how how do you sit there and you just talk alone the whole time? And so I go all the way back to Columbus and every day at lunch, we would go to a place in Columbus called Clearview Barbecue. They only take cash. Great barbecue, 99 cent chip sandwiches. So we would get like three or four of them. You could, you could stuff yourself to a ridiculous level for under $5. That's counting your sweet tea. And so we would sit there and me and some buddies who worked, you know, in various different companies, businesses around town, we would go eat and we would just sit there and talk about college football. Well, that's how I format the show. That's it. It's not lunch pail. It's lunch table. I talk exactly how I would talk if I was down at Clearview Barbecue in Columbus, Georgia. Um, They have not paid me to say that, by the way. I have to always announce that for contractual reasons. But it's Clearview Barbecue format. It's just lunch table format. The only difference is I happen to be looking at a camera right there or there or over there instead of you sitting there. But I don't really look at the lens, as I've told you guys in the Zoom sessions. Just look through the lens. And just talk to the person because it's conversation. The only downside is I can't hear you talking back to me. But that's okay because I talk to you guys all the time anyway, so I know exactly what you're thinking most of the time. And I know if I'm wrong about it, you'll let me know. So with that in mind, let's dive into the show tonight. The South Carolina coaching search continues. Here we are again. It is November 17th, and we're already two days in to the South Carolina coaching search. Some things that I really wish... 
a lot of you guys would stop caring about. A lot of my time that I spend responding to some of you is spent responding to things I wish you just didn't care about. Let me tell you what the three things are. The first thing, I really wish you'd stop caring about what the AP ranks your team because the AP is totally irrelevant. I would argue they always have been, but now they really are. Forget about that. College football playoff committee matters. AP doesn't. So stop worrying about it. And the first playoff committee rankings haven't even come out this year. Secondly, I really wish you guys didn't care about TV ratings. It doesn't matter how many people watched your game. It doesn't matter if more people watched uh, Penn State and Michigan State than watched Clemson versus Georgia Tech. It doesn't matter. Did you watch the game? Did you enjoy it? It's all that matters. Quit worrying about TV ratings. And the third thing that I really wish people would stop caring so much about is what outsiders think of your program. The program doesn't belong to them. Someone sitting in a studio in Nashville, Tennessee, or, or Bristol, Connecticut, or Los Angeles, California, your program's not their program. Doesn't care. I don't care what they think about your program. You shouldn't care what they think about your program. The only opinions that really matter when it comes to your program are yours and the potential candidates out there, the suitors with which you're trying to attract using your program to the job. Those are the opinions that matter. The other one's irrelevant. So if someone's out there telling you South Carolinians right now, telling you, oh, your program's not what you think it is, who cares? Do you love your program? Yeah. Are you highly emotional? Yes, you are. Are you very much invested almost to an unnatural degree? Yes. That's why we're allowed to do these kinds of shows because there's that much passion out there. I'm not going to be the one who sits here in a studio and knocks that. I'm all for it. I'd be the exact same way you guys are. You think your job's the best one on the planet? Then it's the best one on the planet. Now let's talk about what kind of job it actually is as it pertains to the candidates that you're trying to vet right now and attract. I was on a radio show yesterday, and someone was asking me to compare the South Carolina job to the Clemson job, and I didn't really want to do it. I was kind of joking around back and forth, but I really don't want to do it. Um, number one, because it's irrelevant. To me, it's irrelevant. I think the whole Clemson-South Carolina comparison is really overblown. But they said, well, the reason I bring it up is because the Clemson program is night and day in a different stratosphere than South Carolina's. Maybe it is at this moment. What was it a decade ago? In fact, if we were to ask that same question a decade ago, South Carolina versus Clemson, better job, better program. I mean, it, it was it was very, very competitive at the very least. You would have had a 55-45 split either way nationally talking about that. So my point is, 10 years ago, if I would have told you in a decade, Clemson's going to be right there with the two or three elites in America, you would have said, that's crazy. They've never been that historically. That's what you would have said. That's the same thing that people are saying about Carolina right now. Carolina's not an elite job, which is factually correct at the moment, but then the addendum is, historically, they've never been that. That's also correct. How do you get history? You make history. That's the only way. Clemson wasn't what they are now until they were. All they had to change was everything about themselves, essentially, but the thing about it is, they made history. That's how you get history. That's how you fill the trophy case. You got to make history, then you get the history, then you can sell the history. At some point, Everybody had no history. Florida State under Bobby Bowden, before Bowden got there, no history. Like, what was Miami prior to Schnellenberger and, and then the company after him that came in there? What were they? Th they were nothing. What was Clemson historically on the national landscape before Dabo Swinney did what he's done there? 
Really not much of anything to write home about. And so Carolina hasn't had that. They haven't had that period. I'm not going to be the one to say they can't do it. It certainly would shock the world if they were to be able to elevate that program to the top tier. All it takes is one right candidate. So now let's talk about the candidates. What's the very latest that we've heard here? I continue to encourage you. If you're a Carolina fan or you just have a passing interest in this, make sure you're dialed into thebigspur.com. I, I saw 15 different insider updates over there at various parts of Tuesday, if you're watching live today, about this coaching search, about vetting candidates, about what they're hearing at, at 3.10 p.m., at 4.45 p.m. They've probably posted something since we've gone on air. If it's happening and it's tangible and credible, you'll see it over there. And it's a great community. They have one of the most lively boards of any of the communities on 24-7 Sports. So the Big Spur, make sure you're tuned in there. Been reading it throughout the day. Also been texting back and forth with a couple of people that I know. You know the name that I don't hear as much, or at least haven't heard as much today. Now this, this varies. It comes in waves. Haven't heard the name Hugh Freeze a lot today. You're going to hear it externally, but as I always encourage you, if you're tuned in to the subcurrent, the undercurrent rather, you'll be about 24 hours to 48 hours ahead of the national headlines. So the national headlines are really only just now hammering Hugh Freeze hardcore. Well, that's kind of a name to me at least that's gone a little quiet on this. The names that are right there in your face though are of course Billy Napier. I would view him probably as the leader in the clubhouse for this job right now. Still a little ways to go, okay? So I would view him as the leader in the clubhouse, but also Shane Beamer's a name that you're hearing a lot. I want to focus on those two names because of an added piece of criteria that I've added just to my own list here, along with the three bullet points that I gave out Sunday night. So there are these two words that as I was doing yet another radio show, I've, I feel like I've lived in South Carolina over, since Sunday, essentially. And there are worse places to live, believe me. But they feed you so well in South Carolina. That's why I say I'm really just a food guy. I've never left the state of South Carolina with my stomach growling. And so I was talking. And, and as I'm talking, I keep going back to these two words. And the two words are dream job. And so let me take you back to Sunday. Sunday night when we were talking about this job, and I said, hey, if I'm a Carolina fan and I'm looking for – I'm looking for us to hit a grand slam. Here's what I want to have. I want to have an offensive-minded coach. I know there's a, 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 there's a train of thought out there that, well, if you narrow it down already, then you may limit yourself to some, you know, you're putting the blinders on the horse, in other words. There may be a good candidate over here that's not necessarily what you would call an offensive mind. I know that, but this is, this is my preference for the program. I've gone the other direction. I want an offensive-minded head coach. I want a very good recruiter, but I want a supremely gifted evaluator of talent because I'm not necessarily going heads up with Georgia with for every four and five star in the Southeast. I'm probably not equipped to do that from jump, maybe down the road, but not right now. So I got to evaluate and I got to be able to beat them at least to start my tenure here with a lesser roster. I can do it. It has been done before. It will be done again. I want to be the one who does it. The third factor I went over Sunday night is the uh-oh factor. Accomplish with your job what Ole Miss accomplished when they hired Lane Kiffin. They, they made folks in Tuscaloosa and Baton Rouge and, and College Station and Starkville, Auburn, they made them say uh-oh when Kiffin was hired. No one predicted them to win a title, but everyone said uh-oh. Make them say it in Knoxville and Gainesville and Athens and everywhere in between. Clemson, why not? Make them say, uh-oh, at the very least with your hire. Here's the fourth addition, the dream job factor. The more I think about it, the more I think it is so important with the South Carolina job. 
think about what your biggest fear is, okay? Because right now, hit pause on what your biggest fear is and think about a program like Arkansas. Arkansas, I think we can universally agree, has been the most pleasant surprise maybe in all of college football so far this year. Uh, They've exceeded their win expectation, and that was with a win being taken away from him at Auburn. Search your heart. You know it to be true. What have we heard Sam Pittman say? Anytime someone's put a microphone in front of him, anytime he's been on SportsCenter, he says, this is my dream job. I don't care what anyone else thinks about Arkansas. What I think about Arkansas is this is the one job in America I'd want to have over any job. Who out there would think that about Carolina? Is it Billy Napier? Colin's showing you B-roll of Billy Napier at Louisiana right now. He has expressed interest very, very loudly in the past about this job. Everyone inside the industry has always heard that. Everyone assumed, therefore, as soon as Muschamp started not getting the job done this year and Billy Napier, conversely, was getting the job done down there, it's only a matter of time. Maybe it is. But I think Shane Beamer fits that description, too. So let's go back to the biggest fear thing now. Let's hit unpause. Let's hit play on the biggest fear. What would be really your biggest fear here? Carolina is not what I call a keystone program at this point. The keystones are the alpha programs of Texas, Georgia, Bama. In other words, Ohio State, no one's leaving those programs to go to a better college job. If they leave, they're either retiring or they're going to the NFL. Carolina's not at that level at this point. That's my opinion. Again, I led this by saying, don't worry about what anyone else thinks. But as sure as I said that, that's probably reality right now with Carolina. Having said that, that is still a case-by-case basis. Your biggest fear would be someone comes in there and let's say they overachieve and let's say they exceed everyone's wildest expectations. Well, that's not a fear. That's a fantasy. That's a, that's a fantasy become reality. But then what do you have to worry about? If it's typical, if you have a typical guy who comes in there, you got to worry about where he's going to leave you to go to. You got to worry about uh, one of the big jobs coming open and they're going to come and pluck him from Columbia. I think you need to find a guy where you don't necessarily have to worry about that. Find your guy, because this would be the true fantasy. Find the guy that is the supreme evaluator and leader, not just evaluator, but a leader of men, an evaluator of talent, a developer, a recruiter. Find someone who plays the style of ball you want to play, who has the uh uh-oh factor, but also five years down the road when he's turned over the program and you're a true contender in the East, doing things that no one ever thought Carolina football could do, Find that guy who checks all those boxes, and then when a major program, Michigan, Ohio State, LSU, I don't know, find someone who would look LSU dead in the eyes and say, no thanks, I'm happy at South Carolina. If you find that guy, it's worth all the pain and all the misery and all the... um, all the swings and misses, and they haven't had many at Carolina, but I don't care. Even if you have had them, even if you've been, as our buddy Sherbert says over at the Big Spur, even if you've been out in the abyss, and Carolina's not in the abyss, maybe the wilderness, but not the abyss. There's an entire chart you need um, to, to accompany those terms. Even if you've been there, once you hit a home run, once you hit a grand slam, it's worth it. I mean, they had it all jumbled up, all a mess at Alabama for a long time. They swung and missed several times. They got a guy named Nick Saban. Rest is history. So that's where we are with Carolina Coaching Search right now. Um, Really fascinated to see how that turns out and and really pulling for them to find the right hire according to their principles and criteria. As for this week, though, we've got a lot of games to break down. And uh, as last week was sold to you as sort of a sleepy schedule, there are some very consequential games this weekend. Let's start with Indiana at Ohio State. It's Saturday. It's high noon Eastern time on Fox. 
Now, we were talking about this game Sunday night, and the line really has not moved on it a whole lot. Ohio State, a 20 and a half point favorite. Remember the formula that we always have when there's a big favorite and we're going to break down a game. There is a big favorite here and we're breaking down the game. We don't do it in typical fashion. If we did that, we would just talk about Ohio State this entire preview. Instead, what we do is we ask one question, which is, could we see an upset happening here? The answer is on the fringes, but yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be the biggest shock in the world if Indiana were to win this game. It would be a shock, not the biggest shock in the world. And so if that happens, here's our preview. How would it happen? Buckeye fans can think along here. If you guys were to lose, if the worst were to happen and you whisper it to yourselves, how would you see that happening? And by the way, as I was talking to Colin during before the show, if I were to give you one guess, actually, I'll give you unlimited guesses before the season, and I want to see how many guesses it takes you to nail the right answer here. Which matchup in the Big Ten this year is going to feature top 10 teams? How long would it have taken you before you got to Indiana and Ohio State? Just think on that. Over-under is probably like nine. I don't know how deep you would have had to have gone. I look at this matchup, and I think there is a, a decent reason to believe that neither run game will perform at even a B to a B-plus level. Both of these defenses are capable of doing that. Neither of these run games are what you would call elite. Ohio State's been clicking the last few games, but they also you know, probably – I can't believe I'm saying it. Probably pay, they faced the best defensive front that they faced all year so far. Again, I can't believe I'm saying that. But in terms of production, I don't. I, you could at the very least you can make that argument. I know I'm stumbling over myself a little bit. I'm not used to saying that very often about Indiana, but that's where they are. However, here's the downside for the Hoosiers: they aren't doing anything on the ground. I mean, they're averaging I think 2.6, 2.7 yards per carry right now. However, I mean, you look at what they've given up. Against Michigan and Michigan State combined, they've given up 73 yards on the ground. So total yards, not the end-all, be-all, but that yards per carry average is right down there where you would want it as being one of the best run defenses in the country. But it's important to note, they, they're, they're not just cloggers. You know, they don't just throw the old-fashioned mush rush on you, and we're going to give quarterback 14 seconds if he needs it, but you're just not going to run it on us. Indiana does a pretty decent job of pressuring quarterbacks, too. They're very good. They're very highly rated in terms of quarterback pressure, havoc rate. So they have all those boxes checked. If you were to do blind resumes, Indiana's defense has a lot of the metrics and a lot of the boxes checked that you would typically expect from a Michigan or a Penn State. It's just a testament to what they've done there. And so when you look at all that, you still have decided advantage all over the board with Ohio State. But at the very least, maybe they possess the ability. Keep in mind, we're talking about a path to an upset. At the very least, maybe they possess the ability to make Ohio State one-dimensional. Now, I know what you're probably thinking if you know anything about Ohio State, and that is, yeah, Josh, that one dimension, though, even if that's the case, it's a really good dimension. His name's Justin Fields. We'll get to that in just a second. Timely, Colin. Very timely. However, I think at least they're willing to take their chances. The nearly three-touchdown underdog, you're willing to take chances a little bit more if you know you can make your opponent one-dimensional. And I'll tell you, in talking and really reading some of the early sort of preview content and getting some of the early vibes out of Indiana, I think they feel like a few other coaching staffs do in the Big Ten. I think they see some vulnerability with Ohio State's defense that they think maybe they're equipped to take advantage of. So I'm going to speak more on that in a second. The formula for them, uh, and it's it's the usual when you have an underdog of this of this magnitude, you got to be plus one or better, 
plus two or plus three would be ideal in the turnover battle. But you also have to win average starting field position. And that's something, that's a stat that's not thrown around necessarily as much as turnovers. But yet when you look at it at the end of the day, I mean, if you're, if you're special teams or if any combination of forced turnovers or whatnot, I mean, if you're averaging your starting field position being 40, 42 yard line versus 25, it's a huge difference, 30 yard line, whatever the case may be. But also, when I watched them, them being Indiana, when I watched Indiana against Penn State in week one, they, they can work with tempo, but yet they, they can also be very smart with their tempo. And that's what I think they have to do here, because you got a couple of things to consider. This is, a really, this is going to be a really long football game. When you're playing a team like Ohio State, it seems like those games never end. If you got a lead on them, if you think you got an edge on them, th- there are teams that will have an edge and feel like they got a shot against Ohio State and end up losing 42-21 because the game is so long. And collectively, when you put all those minutes together of superior talent leaning on you, it's just really hard. It's really hard to plug 14 holes in the dam with 10 fingers all afternoon. That's kind of the task sometimes when you're playing a team that's superior. However, is it possible? Yeah, I think it is possible. The problem that we go back to with the one-dimensional aspect, even if you succeed in shutting down that Ohio State run game, is making the quarterback beat you. It kind of works. You know, if you're playing Penn State, to go back to the week one matchup, you're playing Penn State, oh, it kind of works. You were smart with your tempo, as I was talking about, and you hurried up to slow down, hurry up, hurry up to slow down, and maybe you got a young secondary on heels, and you got maybe a, a green defensive front, a little unsure of themselves. Maybe you've accomplished all that. And maybe you've made them one-dimensional. But this is not Penn State. This is a team that if you make them one-dimensional and you realize that one dimension is Justin Fields, they'll say, all right, here we go. And then they beat you anyway. So you're probably asking Michael Penix as a result, quarterback there at Indiana, to do more in this game. You're probably asking him in reality to shoulder as much of a load in a big game as any player in college football will have to shoulder all year if they're going to win the game, not compete, if they're going to win the game. He will have to shoulder more of a load than Ian Book was asked to shoulder for Notre Dame against Clemson, significantly more now that I think about it. So again, is it possible? Sure, it's possible. Here's the one thing I'm waiting on. We've seen it with Florida. Defense was very bad early in the year. Alabama, defense far below standard early in the year, and you keep seeing week over week, incremental improvement there. Well, Ohio State's not as far along in their season as those two. So Ohio State, if you've watched them close, they've been blowout wins, but if you've watched the Buckeyes close, there's some holes defensively. Um, Again, if you're a fan of theirs, you've probably seen them. You had not had to pay for them yet, and maybe you don't have to pay for them Saturday, but here's what I'm starting to wait for. I'm waiting for those week-over-week incremental improvements with Ohio State because I think they're coming. I think Ohio State's defensive product at the end of the year will be a lot better than what we've seen thus far. Again, they haven't had to pay for that in terms of a loss or really even that competitive of a game. All right, Colin, let's go game capsule here. Our number versus the Vegas number. Now, the Vegas number, I told you a little bit about this when we made this one of our best bets the other night. Again, this is a noon kickoff Eastern time on Fox. The Vegas number is Ohio State minus 20 and a half. I expect that to hit 21 eventually. Our in-house number, again, we generate our own model here. We've got the Buckeyes. I thought it was 25 and a half. Actually, we have a minus 23 and a half. That still crosses a very key number, obviously. So we are going to take Ohio State to win, and we're going to take Ohio State to cover. And remember, that is one of our best bets. We handed that one out Sunday night. doesn't always sync up with our games of the week, but it does this week. So we like the Buckeyes to win. 
and we like the Buckeyes to cover. Tennessee at Auburn. Auburn favored by 10 points Saturday. It's a 7 o'clock Eastern game on ESPN. Kind of a mess in the SEC this week, by the way, because the game of the week on CBS was supposed to be Ole Miss and Texas A&M, and then that got postponed. And you can't just play musical chairs. You can't just take this game, the Tennessee-Auburn game, and move it to the 330 slot. So Saturday, where you would normally see the big SEC game on CBS, you will see, drumroll please, not with snapping of fingers, San Diego State-Nevada the one we've all been waiting on. As for ESPN, that is the home where you will find Tennessee versus Auburn. Tigers favored by 10. I thought both of these teams found themselves in pretty similar spots one week off of each other a couple of weeks ago. Tennessee, remember, was emerging out of a bye week. Arkansas was coming off the A&M loss and and Tennessee was rested and they were going to go to Fayetteville and they were going to have as good a chance as they've had all year to put forth a solid offensive showing. And instead, they were up 13 to nothing at the half. They gave up 24 unanswered in the third quarter, and their offense just totally and completely stalled. They had like, it felt like a 19 to 1 run to pass ratio that night. So they did not have the pop out of the bye week that we maybe expected. Auburn, a couple of weeks ago, feels like an eternity ago, goes to Ole Miss. And they won a close game, competitive game, some would argue. It was the wrong outcome. Don't care. They got the win. And then they played the game Colin is showing you right now against LSU, and the explosion did happen. The spark, the pop, whatever you want to call it, it did happen. And they won 48-11 to and probably could have named a score up in the 60s if they wanted to. One opportunity was missed. One opportunity wasn't missed. Now, you got people who follow Auburn, myself included, who have followed him for a while in the SEC, who were worried this entire time. If you're not an Auburn fan, in other words, and you're going to have to play him or you got them still on the schedule instead of having already played them, what the worry always is, is if Auburn doesn't get totally knocked out, you know, like the Arkansas game, what really aggravated people was not only did Arkansas get screwed out of a win, it kept Auburn alive. And then you had the Ole Miss outcome. And you think maybe Ole Miss got screwed out of a win, but it kept Auburn alive. And you keep them alive, and you keep them alive, and you keep them alive, and then boom, it happens. And then all of a sudden, once the heat's turned up on that program, That's when they respond. That's when Malzahn's always responded. So if they're responding right now, I'm telling you this line is too low. I don't know necessarily that that's what's happening. That's what the game's for Saturday. So let's dive into the game a little bit because I'm not quite sure what's going on at quarterback for Tennessee. I don't think anyone up there, possibly including Jeremy Pruitt at this point in the week, is sure what's happening. It sounds like he's put a plan on the table where multiple guys could start. You know my feelings on this. Uh, bless the heart of one Jarrett Garantano. Don't necessarily think that's the answer this year. And so I would love to see Harrison Bailey get a shot. However, there's always a valid reason why guys aren't playing more. I'm not dumb enough to think I know it more than Jeremy Pruitt does. So that's just me blindly hoping right now. I've heard him, him being Jeremy Pruitt, talking all week about how they've had really good practices. They had an off week last week, unannounced or unplanned, I guess. And so They loved what they saw last week. I don't know what that means. I I don't know what the lower standard offensively is right now for Jeremy Pruitt to say that about Tennessee. But according to the head coach in Knoxville, they feel good about the last several practices they've had offensively. Now, the quickest way to test all that for Auburn, the quickest way to test that resolve is just to get a fast start. And I expect one out of Auburn. Malzahn's famous for it. They're famous for a fast start and installing. So, 
Is the stall going to happen? Get to that momentarily. Expect a fast start from them. I almost think it could be, as crazy as this sounds, a blessing in disguise for Tennessee. Uh, Arkansas didn't do this to him. Arkansas had a delayed start, and then they ran past him and made him play catch-up. I just prefer someone make him play catch-up all day. Because at the very least, that turns up the heat early on, and they're forced to open it up as much as they can open it up, and maybe that forces Harrison Bailey on the field. And maybe through pressure, instead of bursting the pipe, you make a, a really nice diamond down the road. That's the old expression that is used, hopefully not in these situations, but maybe it has to get that dire. So I expect a fast start from Auburn. Would be surprised if Auburn wasn't playing with the lead early in this game. However, talk to some coaches in the SEC. Talk to them about matchup advantages. Here's what they'll tell you. Pruitt versus Malzahn, matchup advantage, edge Tennessee. This is universally thought around the South. Everyone respects Jeremy Pruitt's coaching acumen. Uh, Everybody values his coaching acumen and his specific style in matchups against Malzahn. It's just a matchup deal. I've heard that many, many times. So let's, you know what, Colin, let's go ahead and pull up our capsule and then I'll talk through it as we look at the capsule. As I said, the line on this game currently is Auburn minus 10 to 10 and a half, depending on where you're looking. And I, I don't necessarily know that our model has a good read on this. We've got Auburn minus nine. So we're kind of right there in line with the Vegas number, maybe a little bit shorter than they are. Here's why I don't have a good feel on it. If Auburn is in that surge mode, like they've been known to be a time or two or 10 during the last decade, then this model's irrelevant. It it could be three scores off if that's indeed where they are. I'm going to trust the model because I'm going to have to make my eyes see it. I'm going to have to make my eyes, in other words, see Bo Nix go up and down the field on Tennessee's defense like he did against LSU's. There's a big difference in that sentence. I think you can spot it. I'm going to go Auburn to win the game. I will trust our model somewhat blindly. There's not a lot of value being put in this pick. And I will take Tennessee plus 10. I think it'll be a competitive game. I think Tennessee will find a way to make that game close. You know, it's just a couple of years ago, two years ago, I think it was. This was maybe still what you would to date call Jeremy Pruitt's biggest win at Tennessee when they went into Auburn and won that game. So we'll take the Tigers to win. We'll take the Vols to cover. Last game I wanted to break down, and then I'm going to have a couple of best bets for you before we wrap it up tonight. Last game I wanted to break down is Oklahoma State at Oklahoma, minus seven. The Sooners, Saturday, 7.30 Eastern Time, ABC. This is, among many other seasons, this is a period of time in a college football season that I like to call point spread season. Point spread season goes like this. How is Oklahoma favored over Oklahoma State? One's been rated higher than the other one. Excuse me. I intentionally used the wrong word. One's been ranked higher than the other for the last several weeks. Well, friends, this is the difference, as we always try and talk about here. How many times do we talk about this? There's a big difference between being rated and being ranked. Where you're ranked is just where a bunch of writers put you. Largely awarded based on win, lose, win, lose, and by default you move up, move down, whatever. We don't really care about that. What we care about is rating, power rating. And we have not had Oklahoma, to my knowledge, a single time in our internal numbers, power rated below Oklahoma State, meaning at any point this year, if they played on the field, we would have picked Oklahoma. So it's fine to disagree with that. I have good news for you. If, if that sounds wrong, 
the whole purpose behind the rating with an odds maker is they have those ratings because they're going to put a number on a game. And then here's the important part. They're going to put it out on the market where you can bet it. So I don't really want you to waste a whole lot of time filling my inbox, talking about how that's wrong. Don't waste my time. If they're wrong, they're giving you free money. So go take Oklahoma State plus the points. And hey, if they're that wrong, I would suggest maybe maybe just a little sprinkle there on the money line. So these are my favorite types of games now, actually getting to the game, because it's a conflict right now in, in present schools of thought in the Big 12. The present schools of thought are this. When you go to Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State is thought to be playing, and I'm not arguing, I'm not disputing this. Oklahoma State is thought to be playing good enough defense and have been all year to limit or just outright contain any offense that they're going to come up on. And so far this year, that's largely been accurate. School of thought number two is Oklahoma's offense. While there were some struggles early in the year and there were some turnover issues and there were some growing pains with Spencer Rattler, they have finally hit their stride. Now, it helps to have you know, programs like Kansas to get fat on, but that's fine. If they're hitting their stride, they're hitting their stride. And those two obviously conflict ideologically. Which one wins out? Those are always my favorite kind of games, especially if you've gotten later in the year and you got a team that looks like it's catching its second win. We were talking about Auburn earlier. Someone out there, a few teams out there are going to do this every year. So who's to say it's not Oklahoma this year? Two tidbits, by the way, that I just want to toss in those arguments that I just made. First tidbit is the thing about this Oklahoma State defense is they've been so incredible at getting off the field on third down. What you love, or at least I love, when I've been watching Oklahoma lately, is the rhythm that they're getting into. They're extending drives, you know, moving the chains. The quickest way to throw the old crowbar and the bicycle spokes of that rhythm is getting folks off the field on third down, especially early in drives. And all of a sudden, you get to the end of the first quarter, it's midway through the second quarter, and they've run 27 plays, and you've run nine. And you're asking yourself, what time of possession, total plays, like a lot of this stuff is getting kind of lopsided on us. We can't develop any timing and rhythm. We can't really get in our groove if we can't get on the field. That's what you would hope if you're siding with Oklahoma State here. The second thing, though, is, and the reason why I don't necessarily know that Oklahoma State's going to be able to take advantage of that all afternoon, very quietly, I feel like Oklahoma's run defense has become pretty strong. And that's not something that I was able to say earlier in the year. They've been pretty good. And so you're kind of asking Spencer Sanders in this past game, I think, if you're going to be extending drives on Oklahoma and you're going to be controlling that clock and you're going to be keeping them off the field, that's kind of how you're going to have to go about it. Oklahoma State hadn't won this game since 2014. Now, that doesn't necessarily matter. I just want to talk to you about how significant it would be. Tylen Wallace at wideout, speaking of that pass game, that's a guy they need to go off. It's a guy that Oklahoma circles. It's a guy everyone circles. Don't care. He is a star player in this game. That's a guy that has to go off. I think he missed the game last year, but a couple of years ago had 10 catches for well over 200 yards. That's the kind of day that they'll need out of Wallace because that pass game is going to need to level up a notch or two for Oklahoma State to win here. Colin, let's go to our game capsule for this one. Oklahoma State at Oklahoma, a.k.a. Bedlam. This line's moved. I think it opened at 9 or 10. It's moved down to 7. We have our number right where it opened. See, our late kick, our in-house model, we've got Oklahoma minus nine and a half. So we agree with what the initial thought was, and now the market has dragged it all the way down to seven. So where we're going here is we're going Sooners to win, and we're going Sooners to cover, especially if we're getting the number we're getting right here on this Tuesday night, 
which is OU minus seven. So give us Lincoln Riley and company to win, and we're actually going to take them to cover as well. And with that in mind, let me rearrange my papers here, we circle back to what I was initially talking about to start the show. The Ramen Noodle Express is at just under 59% against the spread on the year. Phenomenal year so far. We're looking to continue. And it just so happens this week that we have an inordinate amount of weeknight plays on the Ramen Noodle Express. Now, Colin is about to show you the two that we added today. I added one on Twitter earlier today. Uh, you missed it, but you're going to get it now. I just hope the number hasn't moved. At Late Kick Josh. Make sure you're following me there so you don't miss any of these. But I've also got another one to add that we made the decision on to pull the trigger on at least a few hours ago. So, Colin, let's go ahead and show them what we have so far. Remember, Northern Illinois plus 14. That game's happening tomorrow night. Our second best bet of the week is Ohio State minus 20 and a half. That game's on Saturday. Here are the two new games today. Syracuse is an 18-point dog. They are playing Louisville on Friday night. And then Air Force is a 7-point favorite. This is the one we released earlier today. Air Force minus 7. That is a Friday night game too. So we've got three weeknight games out of the first four games we've handed out. It is not necessarily our thing but again, we're, we're not really betting on teams here. We're betting on numbers. And if those numbers happen to correlate with teams that are playing on a Tuesday afternoon in the 24-7 sports parking lot, then that's when it happens. So haven't made a decision on our fifth. I strongly believe this will be a week we have more than five official plays. You're going to want to follow me on Twitter because I can all but promise you a couple of them are going to come after the Thursday show, which is the last live show that we do during the week. So follow me at Late Kick Josh. Uh, really appreciate you guys. Uh, just a quick reminder, if you haven't already subscribed to the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel, we do a lot there that you don't see necessarily on this show. Uh, we got a lot of recruiting stuff. It's it's a rankings week for us here, so there's a ton going on that you don't want to miss out on. So subscribe there and also uh, find the Late Kick Podcast and subscribe and give us a five-star review on there as well. We will be back here same time Thursday night with final thoughts and who in the world knows what else could have happened between now and then? So we'll have it all broken down for you. Always appreciate you tuning in. For Director Colin, for podcast producer Jordan, I'm Josh Babe. Take care, have a great night, and God bless.